This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hello, and welcome to this Nursing World Shared Practice Forum. My name is Kerry Kacharski, and I am the Clinical Coordinator in the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Boston Children's Hospital. Today, we are pleased to welcome Celeste Chandonet to discuss her pilot study on the safety of chlorhexidine baths in patients less than two months of age. Celeste is currently an infection preventionist at Boston Children's Hospital. She has been a valued member of the BCH community for 25 years, working in the NICU for most of that time. In addition to her extensive clinical background in the NICU, Celeste has a passion for research and evidence-based practice. Her commitment to safety and decreasing infections in the vulnerable newborn population led her to become the principal investigator on the first nurse-led FDA-regulated study at Boston Children's Hospital on the safety of chlorhexidine bathing in patients less than two months of age. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you for having me. Given that healthcare-associated infections are a significant contributor to both morbidity and mortality, and neonates and children are particularly vulnerable to these, I'd like to begin by asking you to tell us more about your research and what encouraged you to study CHG. Uh, the question of using chlorhexidine baths for collapse reduction surfaced in 2013 during a safety and steering committee meeting in the NICU. I was the unit-based infection prevention nurse at the time. We were having an increase in central line bloodstream infections, and so I started the discussion about possibly incorporating chlorhexidine bathing for collapse prevention in the NICU. And that discussion stimulated many questions about the safety profile of chlorhexidine in the NICU setting. So after doing an evidence-based literature search, we revealed that there is definitely overwhelming evidence that supports chlorhexidine bathing as a collapse reduction in pediatric and adult populations, but there was a lack of research with premature infants, neonates, and even patients up to one year of life. So we did find evidence in the literature of, you know, anaphylaxis, skin reactions, and even some burns in patients that were exposed to chlorhexidine but there really was insufficient evidence on its safety. So once we had a chance to review this information, we decided that we needed more information before we could implement this practice in our NICU. So we convened a research team to develop the research protocol and proceed with studying the safety of this potential treatment. We decided that we would begin with near-term infants and those uh, less than two months of age for our first step. Celeste, why is the patient population that you were studying more at risk to side effects of CHG? There are a number of risk factors that need to be considered when working with newborns, including the chlorhexidine skin absorption, excretion, and the overall lack of research to guide providers in the safe and what a safe CHG level is. So for skin absorption, chlorhexidine with young infants requires a special consideration such as the thickness of their skin. So all neonates have a degree of epidermal barrier immaturity. Although the basal epidermal barrier is competent immediately after birth, the stratum corneum isn't, contributing to less barrier protection and more epidermal permeability, and this is increased in prematurity. So these physiologic characteristics of newborn skin 
lead to risk of body water loss, systemic infection um, from invading microorganisms, and not surprisingly, percutaneous drug or chemical absorption. And while it's believed that chlorhexidine is cleared by the liver, the method of which chlorhexidine is excreted from the body is not well understood. There have also been few studies where chlorhexidine levels were monitored, and the lack of this research is most likely related to or influenced by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration uh, had labeling on chlorhexidine that said do not use on patients less than two months of age. And in 2012, they changed that labeling to use with caution in infants um, under two months of age. And since that revised labeling, there is antidotal and published reports that have suggested an increased use. The purpose of this study is to investigate the safety of biweekly chlorhexidine baths in a sample of newborns 36 to 48 weeks postmenstrual age with a central venous catheter. We would like to now turn to our audience and ask a question. When you reply, please leave your city and country location. The question is, do you have an age cutoff for the use of CHG? If so, does it depend on how it is being applied? And now we're back to our discussion with Celeste. Celeste, you mentioned the journey starting in 2013. When did you realize this was going to require the guidance of the FDA? After we presented our first protocol to the IRB, we found out that we needed to get an investigational new drug exemption so that we could use the chlorhexidine cloths for an off-label purpose. Chlorhexidine bath cloths are marketed for preoperative bathing, and even though we're aware of the widespread use of chlorhexidine bathing cloths for daily bathing, we needed to get approval from the FDA in order to use it for our study population. So the FDA rejected our application for an IND exemption, so we had to go for a full IND. And that whole process took a little over a year. That sounds like a long process. Can you share a little more detail about the process of submitting to the FDA? Yes, it was a long process. It was a very detailed process. The actual um, IND itself was over 700 pages and required multiple expertise throughout the hospital to participate in it. But we did eventually get awarded the IND and continued to communicate with the FDA and the IRB for another year before we were ready to start enrolling subjects. So although the process was very long, through it all, the FDA was very supportive and just wonderful to work with. There was a cohesiveness between us and them because we were all invested in establishing a protocol where patient safety was a top priority. So now let's transition a bit and focus on the study itself. Can you describe the study design and methods? Sure. This study was a prospective experimental descriptive pilot study, which was consistent with the phase one clinical trial. Our subjects received twice weekly baths on Mondays and Thursdays between 8 and 10 a.m., which was consistent with the time frame on Fridays where we got the chlorhexidine levels. The CHD baths were performed by trained study personnel, which involved, uh, in short, a standard bathing technique was followed, and we also added booties to the heels to protect possible sample contamination, which was cited in the literature. So our two primary research questions were the first one was, are twice-weekly chlorhexidine baths safe for use in a sample of infants greater than 36 weeks PMA and less than two months of age? And does twice-weekly chlorhexidine baths lead to rising or cumulative chlorhexidine blood levels over time in a sample of infants greater than 36 weeks PMA and less than two months of age? So we conducted this study in our 24-bed level 4 NICU and 31-bed pediatric cardiac intensive care unit 
Both serve as tertiary care referral centers for critically ill infants. We included infants greater than three days of life between the ages of 36 and 48 weeks postmenstrual age, which we defined as gestational age plus chronological age. Inclusion criteria included patients with a central venous catheter or soon-to-be-placed central venous catheter, permission to participate by their attending physician, and then parental consent. We found evidence in the literature that supports increased chlorhexidine absorption when mucous membranes are exposed to it, so we excluded infants with skin issues like ichthyosis or an unrepaired gastroschisis. Most drugs or chemicals are excreted through the renal or hepatic system, so we excluded infants that had um, evidence of renal or liver compromise as identified by an abnormal creatinine, AST, or ALT. We also excluded infants with low hematocrits because we didn't want the required study lab work to further potentiate iatrogenic anemia. Infants with hepatic ischemic encephalopathy or deemed clinically unstable by their attendings were also excluded. So to answer our first research question about safety of chlorhexidine bass in a sample of infants 36 to 48 weeks postmenstrual age, we monitored subjects for potential skin reactions to chlorhexidine. So every subject had a head-to-toe skin assessment prior to study initiation, immediately before any chlorhexidine bath, and then every 12 hours for the duration of study participation. We also monitored weekly chlorhexidine levels, serum creatinine, AST, ALT, and hematocrit at baseline, and then every Friday between 8 and 10 a.m. So we frequently assess these labs for any correlation with CHG um, to ensure the safety of our subjects. To answer our second question of accumulation of chlorhexidine blood levels over time, we obtained weekly chlorhexidine gluconate levels to see if they were trending upwards. However, because there is no evidence on what a safe chlorhexidine level is, we did not use this information to guide clinical decisions during study participation. We would like to turn now to our audience and ask another question. When you reply, please leave your city and country location. The question is this. Do you routinely utilize CHG for prevention of healthcare-associated infections in patients less than two months of age or new unit? And do you have a policy or guideline to support this practice? Now let's turn our focus back to our conversation with Celeste. Given the vulnerability of this patient population, it sounds like there are a lot of very important details to consider. Absolutely. So how many subjects did you enroll, and what did you find? Well, our intended sample size was 50 subjects with a plan to conduct an interim analysis after every 10 subjects and present the findings to the Data Safety Monitoring Committee. However, our first interim analysis coincided with our first annual FDA review. And at that point, both our study team and the FDA had concerns related to elevated chlorhexidine levels from our study subjects. So out of an abundance of caution and because of the lack of information on a safe chlorhexidine level and with the recommendation of the FDA, the study was closed with a plan to move forward with dissemination of our findings. So in the end, we ended up with a total of 10 subjects enrolled and nine subjects that had study interventions done for analysis. None of the subjects had untoward skin reactions related to the chlorhexidine bathing although we did have two subjects that had minor skin rashes that were evaluated and deemed not related to the chlorhexidine baths because they were in areas that weren't bathed during the study process. So a total of 89 chlorhexidine exposures were analyzed. 
There was no evidence of cu- accumulation of chlorhexidine, although there was evidence of higher absorption in this population when compared to chlorhexidine levels found elsewhere in the literature. So our levels range from non-detectable to 3,206. So renal and liver function tests were stable on all of our subjects, even those with the highest levels. There was no evidence of correlation between the chlorhexidine levels in gestational age, the chlorhexidine levels in weight at time of enrollment, or the chlorhexidine levels in weak number of weekly chlorhexidine exposures. Celeste, 89 exposures sounds like a lot for nine infants enrolled. Can you expand on what those exposures were? The 89 exposures were all chlorhexidine exposures that our study subjects were exposed to, not just the study baths. So we monitored if a patient study subject was exposed to chlorhexidine for skin antisepsis for a central line dressing change, or if they had a a preoperative chlorhexidine bath for cardiac surgery. So all of those 89 exposures are not um, reflective of just the chlorhexidine baths for the study. We would like to ask a final question of our audience. When you leave your reply, please leave your city and country location. The question is, does the information we've provided related to CHG absorption in patients 36 weeks to 48 weeks gestation compel you to reevaluate your current practices related to the use of CHG in your units? And now we're back with Celeste. As an infection preventionist and leader in infection control, how do you interpret these results and what do you recommend to other leaders considering the use of CHG on patients less than two months of age? We understand the sample size is a limiting factor in providing definitive recommendations. However, we still feel the study adds to the body of knowledge on the safety of chlorhexidine use, and we feel an obligation to share this with providers caring for this fragile population. And there remains a lack of guidance as to what would be considered a safe level of chlorhexidine in the blood. So it's our hope that clinical providers who care for neonates will weigh both the benefits and the risks when considering the use of chlorhexidine baths and other chlorhexidine-containing products with infants less than two months of age. Celeste, your commitment to this research project is really commendable. Not only was infection prevention at the forefront of your research. In addition, patient safety was also a major factor in your study. Can you tell me a little bit more about your project team? Yes, this research study was quite an undertaking and required multidisciplinary team support across the hospital. We had many members within the neonatal intensive care unit and the cardiac intensive care unit that contributed, as well as pharmacy the laboratory medicine, and then we were able to get grant support from the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, as well as newborn medicine and laboratory clinical fellowship program, and the program for patient safety and quality at the hospital. So all of that was really essential in having this be a success. Celeste, have the findings in your study influenced the care at Boston Children's Hospital? I believe they have. I know that our NICU has not instituted daily bathing of chlorhexidine patients with a central line that are under two months of age. And I know that we get a lot of questions about what our practice is from clinicians around the country. Are you planning on disseminating this, these findings and this research? 
I'm glad you asked that. Yes, we are finishing up the final touches on our manuscript and hope to submit that soon. And we presented our findings at a National Teaching Institute conference in May of this past year and also to a consortium of pediatric cardiology clinicians. Celeste, thank you so much for sharing your work today. Healthcare providers across the globe treating this very vulnerable patient population are constantly looking at ways to prevent infection. So thank you for asking that question on is CHG safe in this patient population. Thank you, Carrie. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org. Thank you.